We're taking a little journey here, uh, and it's a journey really looking at the end times from the life of a saint from the rapture on. So the saint meaning you and me, praise the Lord. Uh, hopefully we're, we're in that redeemed category. If not, then you can get that way tonight, praise the Lord. Um, but usually, you know, when, when people talk about uh, the end times, people are always kind of focused on what goes on here in the earth, you know, the seven-year tribulation and then what happens in the thousand-year reign and all those kind of things and then on out. But we're actually uh, looking at this from, again, like I said, the, the viewpoint of what happens for us, those who have believed in Christ, those who have walked with Christ, uh, those who partake in the rapture, and uh, what's going to happen for us while those seven years in the earth are going on, uh, the wrath of God, it's going to be a terrible time in the earth. The wrath of God will be poured out. We do not want to be here, and the church, in my opinion, will not be here uh, <clears throat> due to the rapture. And so during that seven years of earth life, we are actually going to be in heaven, and there are going to be some things going on. We're not just going to be laying floating on clouds and uh, just, uh, you know, worshiping all the time. Uh, and so we're going to talk uh, about that, what happens in those seven years. And the, then, of course, what happens when we come back with the Lord as the army of the Lord in the thousand-year reign. And I'm going to tell you things and share things with you that I'm sure that you have never, ever, ever heard. Because in all my years of preaching and teaching, which is quite a few, um, I taught this 17 years ago. Uh, at that time, I'd never heard anybody teach it. And I've still never heard anybody teach it. So I believe that it's time for us to know uh, this glory that we have of being in Christ and what happens uh, for us. Praise the Lord. And so uh, tonight, so uh, Sunday we took a good running start and we actually spent some time over uh, in really Jesus once he died and was resurrected and what happened all at that time. And then we entered into the church age. So you can see the church age up there, 33 AD on, and it has a question mark. And that question mark will get stamped in with the date once the rapture takes place. And so I got a little bit of a start on the rapture, but tonight I'm going to talk about the rapture. Okay, And I know that we all want to hear about heaven, and we're going to hear a lot about heaven. We're going to hear more about heaven and the thousand-year reign and, and the new heaven and the new earth and all of our glory. We're going to hear a lot more about that, actually, than we hear about the rapture. But I want you to know that I need to take some time on the rapture because the rapture is super important. I talked about what it's going to be like in the earth life here. You do not want to be here. You want to make sure that when the rapture happens uh, that you are prepared uh, and that you go up. So the rapture is actually when Christ comes for the believers or the saints in the air. Uh, and it's called the, the catching up or the snatching away of the church. It's the rapture of the church. It happens very suddenly. As I mentioned on Sunday, we're not waiting on anything. There's not anything in the timeline that has to happen in order for the rapture to take place. Praise the Lord. So if you come into church some Sunday morning and you see clothes laying around and everybody's not here, you hopefully that won't pertain to any of the Houston Faith Church people. 
Praise the Lord. But it can't happen very suddenly. The archangel is going to shout. The trumpet is going to sound. And in the twinkling of an eye, I mean so quickly, instantly those who are in Christ are going to be translated up. Praise the Lord. We're going to get our glorified body. We're going to go up in the air. Praise God. God, the Christ is going to take us back to heaven with him. He's going to present us to God the Father. He's going to give out our rewards and we're going to be up there having a grand old time um, for seven years. And so we'll talk about that a little bit later. But um, I, and like I said, I do want to spend a little bit of time tonight primarily on the rapture. And then we'll get us a good start for what happens on Sunday when we enter into heaven. Praise God. Uh, so uh, we'll be going through a lot of scriptures I said on Sunday, I'll say it again, uh, the timeline is on the church app. If you go to the apps and the messages and you find this message, you can find the timeline there and you can find the scriptures once service has been done. So like right now, if you go on there, you can see part one, all of the scriptures, so that if you're doing a study, uh, you'll have those there. And then every time after I preach on it, we will post the scriptures uh, for that section to add to it. Uh, so tonight I want to start with, praise the Lord, are y'all ready? Yeah. Are y'all ready? ready? Woo! Now, boy, I'm determined to go up in the rapture, aren't you? So I want to give the 10 purposes of the rapture, and I don't feel tonight to talk about this in detail, so I'm actually not going to read the scriptures here, um, but I'm going to give you the scriptures so that you can read them later, study them out if you want, but I feel tonight just to skim this section. So here are the 10 scriptural reasons uh, why we have a rapture. Number one is to receive the saints uh, to himself, to Jesus, as is promised. And you can read about that in 1 Thessalonians 4.17, uh, John chapter 14, you know, where Jesus said he was going ahead of us to prepare a place for us in verse 2 and 3. And then Ephesians chapter 5, verse 27. The second reason for the rapture is to resurrect the dead in Christ from among the wicked dead. And so I talked about that on Sunday. Who is the dead in Christ? And uh, when that trumpet, they're already in heaven right now, but their bodies are still in the earth. And when uh, the rapture takes place, their glorified bodies will be raised up out of the graves first, and then those who are alive will be raptured up with them. But that's important uh, to know because there is a resurrection of the wicked dead that comes later uh, for the great white throne judgment, and then so that they can be cast into the lake of fire. Uh, the third reason we have a rapture is to take the saints to heaven, uh, to live in heaven with the Lord, and to receive rewards. Again, John 14, verses 2 and 3. You can read about that in 2 Corinthians verses, uh, chapter 5, verse 10. Uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 22 through 23. Revelation 19, 1 through 10. And Revelation 21, 9 through 10. <clears throat> Number four is to change the bodies of the saints to immortality. Uh, because this is really, again, when the, when the time ends for the church and the, the clock is set back on for Jerusalem, and it sets up the time when we are going to return with the Lord back to the earth. And in order to do that, we need a body that is immortal, a glorified body. You can read about that in 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 and 17, 1 Corinthians 15, 35 uh, through 
58. That may be supposed to be 55, I think, through 58. Uh, Philippians 3, verse 21. Number five is so that uh, the saints can be presented before God. We're going to meet God face to face. Hallelujah. 1 Thessalonians 3, verse 13, Jude 24, and Revelation 19, 1 through 10. Number six is to make the saints whole in body, soul, and spirit. Hallelujah. We'll be made whole, fully full of life, body, soul, and spirit, according to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23, Philippians chapter 3, verse 21. It's one thing that I think about a lot when I think about heaven and what happens in heaven is that everybody that's in heaven is in the fullness of life. Spirit, soul, and body. That means everybody's mind is completely perfect. Everybody's body is completely perfect, full of the life of God. It's going to be so grand and so glorious. We are all going to be at our best, our absolute best. We're going to see each other as we really are. Because right now, you know, this is not who we really are. Uh, We are our spirit, but we're still, you know, we're still dealing with our flesh. But praise God in heaven, the glory of it, all of us together being full of the glory of God and the life of God. I mean, we're all at 100% every morning. Well, there is no morning or night, so we'll talk about that later. But we're we're at 100% all of the time. Glory. Hallelujah. And it's just going to be wonderful. So praise God for that. Uh, Number seven is to receive the fruit of the early and the latter rain. Uh, So the Lord is looking for the fruit of the earth, the precious fruit of the earth, as we see in James chapter five, verse seven, and John 14, two and three. The number eight is to cause the saints to escape the tribulation. Now, of course, this is from a pre-trib. I talked about this on Sunday. I'm a pre-trib believer, as is Pastor Chaz. I think the scriptures are are really clear. Uh, But here to to see that, where you can see that the Lord talks about that, or it's talked about in the scriptures, Revelation 6, 1 through 19, and Revelation 21 then we have 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 and 17, uh, chapter 5 and verse 9, Luke 21, 36 and Revelation 4, verse 1. Number 9, the reason the church gets taken out of here is to remove the hinderer of lawlessness. 2 Thessalonians 2, chapter, uh, chapter 2, verse 7 and Revelations 4, 1. And then number 10 is to permit the revelation of the Antichrist. Thessalonians 2, Uh, verse 7 in Revelation 4, 1. Hallelujah. And so those are some of the reasons that you can study out at your own uh, desire about why there is a rapture. But let's talk tonight about who is going to go in the rapture. Who is going to go in the rapture? Hallelujah. Who is going to go in the rapture? You know, the Bible really has some things to say about who goes in the rapture. And of course, the first the first distinction is to be of Christ. But uh, tonight I'm going to present this, you know, with the thought. I know that there are some people that believe that everybody, just everybody that believes in Jesus is going to go on the rapture. And I'm not real sure. Uh, actually, I don't believe that the scriptures prove that out. And so tonight we're going to take a look at, at the scriptures and see uh, what we glean there. I know that there are different viewpoints. But I, I want to say this. When I am believing about the rapture, And the reason it's important to believe about it and know about it is so that you can be prepared. In my preparation, I would rather um, 
I would rather preach it from the tighter side than the looser side. Because I would rather be safe than sorry. I, I, I would rather miss it thinking that I walked tighter to Jesus than, than was really, re, quote, required. Because it's really not all about, if you're really loving God, it's really not all about just a checklist of what you have to do to get to heaven. If that's your, if that's your heart's uh, view, then, then you're already off and you're already to be uh, honest at risk. So it's not just about a checklist, what do I have to do to get to heaven? This is about me loving God and walking so tightly with God. Okay? And so, I, like I said, I'd rather be safe than sorry. I'd rather believe it and teach it from the tighter side uh, so that we don't get too loose and then find out that it was too loose and we end up being here in the tribulation. So the reason that a, a Christian would be here in the tribulation is that now they have to prove out. There are many scriptures that talk about enduring to the end. And have you noticed that the Christian life isn't like a sprint? It's like a marathon. Have you ever wondered about that? Why, why did God leave us down here so long? There really is a proving out of, of do we love Christ? Are we going to serve Christ? And so we have to recognize that, that these things are important to know so that we can walk uh, very tightly with the Lord and make sure that we're not, we're not skimming by. So you understand that? Okay. So, so let's talk about these. Um, I'm going to give you 10, as I see it from the Scripture's qualifications for lack of a better word, from uh, to go in the rapture, okay? And I'm going to cover some of them uh, quite extensively, and then some of them I might skim through. But number one, the main one and the first one, the one that there is no question about at all, is that you must be in Christ. The Scriptures are very clear. You must be in Christ. So let's read that. Uh, you can go ahead and take that down off the wall and get ready for the scriptures. The first scripture we're going to look at about a qualification for going in the rapture is to be in Christ. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. We're going to read verse 14 and verse 16. And it says this. It says, For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with Him those who sleep in Jesus. Now remember, sleep refers to death as we talked about sometimes uh, on Sunday. Then verse 16, For the Lord Himself will ascend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of an archangel and the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. So we see that, the dead in Christ. Okay, so, so in Christ, we must be in Christ. We'll turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. To be in Christ, what is it to be in Christ? Verse 17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things become new. Now, there's two aspects to this. We definitely know that once one is saved, their spirit is born again. On the inside, they're made a new man. Uh, the image of God, the nature of God, the character of God comes to live on the inside of them. Praise the Lord. That's a positional truth. However, there is the aspect of now that we are the new man, uh, the Bible says that we are to put off the old man 
and to live in that newness of life. And so to be in Christ really means that we are to be living according to this new man, according to the new nature, according to the new life that we have in Christ. It means that we don't look like we did. We don't act like we did. We don't talk like we did. Come on, we don't think like we did. We, we are different. It's very clear that the Bible, when, when the Lord starts talking about the disciples and those that are with him, uh, he's talking about people that don't look like the world. We're in the world, but we're not of the world. And so we're supposed to be uh, this new man, take on a new way of thinking, to think like Christ, where our words should, should be words that are not speaking evil, but edifying uh, list after list after things that you could look at and being like Christ. So to live as a new man, the new creation, it's to get up every day and say, today I'm living in Christ. Hallelujah. So the second uh, qualification to go in the rapture. Uh, let me ask a question. I'm going to back up there. I want to ask a question. I, I like to ask this because I like to see how many of you now in this room that are saved and know you're saved, know what it's like to have a salvation experience and have Jesus in your heart. How many of you could say that before you were really saved, that you would say, I believe in Jesus and I know who he is. How many of you would have said that before you, before you really were saved? Now look at the put your hands up for just a moment. Leave them up. Look at all of these hands. And this is why I keep saying to people that just become one says, I believe, in, you know, I believe in Jesus. I know who he is. Doesn't mean that they have really been saved and certainly committed theirself and surrendered themselves to really walk with Jesus. Salvation, well, I'm getting ahead of myself, but anyway. So that's a good point of why uh, it's not just who says, I believe in Jesus. Okay, number two. So first is to be in Christ. Number two is to be Christ, to be his possession, to be owned by him. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 23. But each one in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, after those who are Christ at his coming. Look at Galatians chapter 5, verse 24. Look at this. And those who are Christ, Galatians chapter 5, verse 24, and those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So if it was all about just saying, you know, I believe in Jesus and I love Jesus and then doing your own thing, uh, why would we have all these scriptures? Why would it talk about us crucifying our flesh? The reason we crucify our flesh is we're putting off the old man so that we can rise up and live in the newness of life of Christ that is within us. And so for me, this is kind of one of those where I think that there probably is a dividing line because the way I see this is this, this is not Jesus just as Savior, but Jesus as Lord. And there is a big difference. There is a big difference from just receiving Jesus as my Savior, the one who's going to save my sins. I'm going to call upon His name, ask Him to forgive me. And then you just walk on, just like you meet Him, and then you, here He is, and then here He goes, and then here you go. Jesus is to be Savior and Lord. He is to be Lord of our life. That means He owns us. 
It means we are His possession. It means that we are to have a life that is surrendered to Him. It means that we're to have a life that is committed to Him. And so this is uh, what it seems to be one of the conditions for uh, going in the rapture. A number three would be to be uh, blessed and to be holy. To be holy. Let's look at 1 Peter there. 1 Peter chapter 1. You know, there's another scripture uh, that talks about when the Lord presents the church, it's going to be a church that's holy and without blemish, Ephesians 5, 27. But we're looking here at 1 Peter 1, 13 through 16. It says, Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lust, your old man, as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, because it is written, be holy for I am holy. Okay, now I want to say something for a moment. Uh, You know, at this church, we are not legal, legal. We are not so I'm not telling you that if you sin or if you have a, you know, you let your passions or desires for something else get the best of you at time, that you can't go in the rapture. That's not what I'm saying. I'm talking about a lifestyle here. I'm talking about are you really loving God, serving God? Is your life committed to God, surrendering to God? You recognize when you sin, but praise God, there is the blood of Jesus. Instantly I repent, I wash myself in the blood, I get back up, and here I go again. Rather than someone who is very careless and very casual toward their relationship with the Lord. Uh, Number four uh, is to do good. Uh, I'm not going to read it, but John chapter 5, verse 28 and 29. And when I think of this, I always think of uh, in Hebrew 10, 38, when it says that the Holy Spirit came upon the Lord who went about doing Doing good. And I say this all the time. This is part of the ministry of a Christian is just to do good. It's just to be everywhere we go. We just do good. We have a light about us. We have the love of God with us. We we carry the, the peace of God with us. And so everywhere we go, we should be looking to do good for people. Our thoughts toward people are not are not that we don't like them, not that, uh, no, it's, it's that we're here to help you. We're here to bless you. We're here to do good for you. Uh, number five is to be worthy. And I'm going to leave this for last because I'm going to talk about it a lot. Uh, be worthy. So I'll go back to that. Uh, number six is to be in church. Remember, he is presenting to himself the glorious church. There's something about us being in the church together. Uh, There's something about us being sheep. Sheep have a shepherd, of course, the great shepherd, but then they're also sheep are gathered together. They're in a flock. Uh, They're overseen by a shepherd. And so uh, now it's the glorious gospel, the covenant and the power of God working right now as we the glorious church. It's the power of God working in us and it will be because of the glorious liberty of the children of God uh, when we come up together. So we need to understand the value of uh, being a church person, going to church, serving in church. We're not just called uh, to do it on our own. Uh, He is the Lord, the head, and we are the church, the body. And so again, you know, it's hard to have a life with the head if you don't have a life with the body. 
And so my husband, many, many, many years ago, gave this example. And it was one of the best examples I've ever heard. And I use it all the time. And if you're inviting someone to your house, because we all want the Lord to live with us, right? And so they come to your house and they knock on the door and you open the door. If you want them to come in fully, you cannot just, they're not going to just stick their head in the door and leave their body outside. Right? I mean, if you want all of the Lord and we want all of the Lord, we're going to have to be all of Christ so that we can go in the rapture. We have to be part of the body. And so we can't be out on our own doing our own thing just thinking that it doesn't really matter. Uh, We're called together. God places us together. Um, Ephesians chapter 1, you can look at these scriptures. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 22 and 23. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 4 through 6. Uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 27, where that's where the Lord's talking about presenting Himself uh, a glorious church. Uh, Then Colossians chapter 1, verse 18 and 24. Now, if you remember right, um, I talked on Sunday about the the encounter that I had with the Lord when He got in the car with me. And then uh, four years later, when I had the vision of the Lord, and in that vision it talked about, I saw the army of the Lord. And you remember that, right? And you remember that there were people that, that were not in the army and they were not doing their thing, and God's thing. And it was, such, it was such a grief, the grief that I felt in that moment by the Holy Spirit because of the people that had not taken their place in the body of Christ. So we need to do that and we need to make sure because all of the world and the distractions and everything else is going to tell you that you don't need the church, that you can do it on your own, that I can be saved without going to churches. You can be saved without going to church. You can also have Jesus as your Savior, not your Lord, by going, not going to church. So it's very important. Okay, number seven here would be to be pure. There seems to be something about purity. Uh, let's turn over to 1 John chapter 3. Verses 2 and 3. Beloved, now we are children of God and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be like, but we know that when He is revealed, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. And everyone who has this hope in Him, look, everyone who has this hope in Him purifies Himself just as He is pure. And this is part of the work of the Holy Spirit. Remember, He comes as the refining fire to purify us, to burn out the chaff, uh, to help us live upright before God. Number eight, to be without spot, blemish, or wrinkle. Uh, You can read about that in Ephesians chapter 5. Let's take a look at 2 Peter. 2 Peter chapter 2 verse 13. We know he's presenting a church to himself without spot or wrinkle, but let's look at 2 Peter, verse 13. And they will receive the wages of unrighteousness as those who count it pleasure to carouse in the daytime. They are spots and blemishes, carousing in their own deceptions while they feast with you. So this is talking about being unrighteous, which... To be right is to be right. To be righteous is to be right with God. It's also to live according to God's ways. 
Uh, They're doing the right thing, being right with God in the way that He wants us to live. And so we can see here that those that count it pleasure to carouse around, basically do what you want, live how you want, um, they are spots and blemishes. So we see again our life has to come up under the Lord. Number nine, we're to live and walk in the Spirit. I'm not going to read that scripture. Hopefully you know it in Galatians chapter 5, verse 19 through 21 and then verse 25, and then number 10, <clears throat> walk in the light. Now, now, now watch these two here because I'm going to prove out something later about living and walking in the Spirit. Very important that we uh, learn how to live in the Spirit, walk in the Spirit, that we have a life in the Spirit, and that we walk in the Spirit. First John uh, chapter 1, let's read that. First John chapter 1, verse 7. But as we walk in the light, but if we walk in the light as He is in the light, then we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. So we are to walk in the light. He is the light. Uh, We know that in Him is no darkness at all. And so that's very important. Then I want to back up here to talk about uh, when I mentioned to be worthy. To be worthy. So turn with me over to Luke chapter 21. I want to talk about this being worthy, and it seems like from this particular scripture in Luke, we can pinpoint some conditions uh, for escape. If you're going to escape, uh, Jesus warns us against spiritual lethargy and calls for alertness and readiness for his return. And that is part of being worthy, is to be prepared. Is to, is, to, is to be looking for the return of the Lord. So let's look at this and read Luke 21. We're going to read verses uh, 34 through 36. Jesus is speaking here. He says, But take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighted down with carousing drunkenness and cares of this life, and that day come upon you unexpectedly. That day is the day of that the tribulation begins. And, and, and so what he's saying is that you don't want to be caught not going in the rapture because then that day is suddenly going to be here and it's going to be upon people and it's going to be a horrible, like I said, a horrible time. So look here, don't be weighted down. <clears throat> Carousing drunkenness and cares of this life. And so I look at that and, and everybody here would be thinking, well, I'm not carousing and, you know, I'm not getting drunk. I hope we're not getting drunk. Amen. The whole world is getting drunk. Amen. The church is not to be getting drunk. We get drunk on the Holy Ghost only. He is our, he is our substitute and the better substitute. Amen. The, the, Lord, the world always has a counterfeit. And alcohol is the counterfeit of the Holy Spirit and a life in the Spirit. So we do not get drunk. We don't need to get drunk on alcohol or on drugs or on other things that alter us. But I wanted to point out to you that cares of life are in the same category. Cares of life. Just having our, you know, we're so, we're stressed out. We're so concerned. We're, you know, we're given, we're given work the utmost, but we don't have time for God. Yes, it's important to work. If you don't work, you better eat. You don't eat. But your work better be submitted to the Lord. 
We're supposed to work as unto the Lord. And so where, where you're working, how you're doing it, all those things are supposed to be submitted to the Lord. Your work is not the most important thing. And if it is, you've got it out of order. You've, you've now fallen into this category, the cares of life. It gets tough now, doesn't it? Now we start really getting into, into, into some things here. The cares of life. Uh, what are we spending our time, our attention uh, natural family is important. Absolutely, natural family is important. If you don't take care of your natural family, you're, you're worse than an infidel, as the Bible says. But your, fa- your natural family does not come before the family of God. And I'm going to say it, people say it all the time. It's, well, how do they say it? They say it's God, it's God, country. Tell me what they say. There's God, family, God, family, and country. And, th- and then they say the church. But I want you to know that when God is first, it's God and the family of God. Jesus is the head. We are the body. There is no separating that. So your natural family cannot be so important to you that you don't find time to, to be in church, to serve God. To, you don't have time to pray because you're too stressed out worrying about your family members all the time. There's more, there's more than just your natural family. I know this sounds tough, but I have to tell you like it is. I'm, I'm accountable to the Lord for this. You know, when Jesus was sitting and he had those among him, they said, hey, hey, your mother and your sister and them, they're, they're outside. You want us to go get them? And he said, no, this is my family. He actually said that. He actually said in the scriptures that if you lose your mother or your father or your sister for the sake of the Lord, that you get a hundredfold, you get a, a return here in the earth. So, so apparently there's times where the Lord sees it necessary to... to separate, to not have them be your best friends, the one that you're hanging out with. Listen, if they're not living for God, they can't be your best friend. They can't be the one that you're hanging out with all the time. And that's why, you know, so many in the body, they're all stressed out. They're all worried. They're all, you know, that please pray, please pray because of their family member. And so we have to, we have to pray in faith. We have to cast them over to the Lord and we have to carry on. And I tell people all the time, when you stand before the Lord, you stand by yourself. You don't stand with any. You don't stand with your wife. You don't stand with your mother. You don't stand with any excuse. There's no bringing anybody in and what they did or didn't do. There's no excuses that come in when we stand before the Lord. So we got to get this straight. Yeah. So let me continue reading verse 35. Talking about that day, for it shall come as a snare on all those who dwell on the face of the whole earth. So in other words, those that don't go in the rapture, that day of wrath is coming upon the earth. And that says, now look, verse 36, watch therefore and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that come to pass and stand before the Son of of man. So first of all, in the very first scripture, take heed. Take heed means to listen carefully and obey. The day um, that's going to come upon is the day of the Lord, the day of wrath, the tribulation. And to stand before the Son of Man is talking about to stand in the rapture. If you study that out and all the times it's talked about, it's talking about in the rapture. So we want to be counted worthy. Look at that scripture. It doesn't just say just believe in Jesus and that's it. It says we have to be counted worthy to escape. 
If we're going to escape the tribulation and go up in the rapture, we have to be counted worthy. It says to watch and pray. So what does that mean? To watch means to be alert. It means to be awake. It means to be aware. It means to have right priorities. It means to be living right and in the expectation that He is coming. I'll tell on myself, this was years ago, many, many, many years ago. Uh, I, I wasn't married at the time, and I was probably, to be honest, I loved the Lord. I had been saved, but, you know, I was in a season of life where I was not very close to the Lord. And uh, I had gone to a place with some friends of mine for a very, quote, special occasion. And I was sitting there, <laughs> you know, just amongst the, the, just everything that was heathen about life. And I leaned over to my one friend, you know, with a big group of girlfriends there. And I leaned over to my one friend who I knew was saved. And I leaned over to her and I said, this is not where I want to be if Jesus comes back. And she and I agreed and we pretty much got out of there about as quickly as we could. <laughs> and so we do need to have a consciousness that Jesus is coming back and he can return any day. He can return at any, at any time, at any... So we want to live accordingly. We want to live prepared. We want to live knowing that He's coming. And our, that's what our thought should be, is that He's coming and, and I must be prepared. Hallelujah. And so part of that being you know, prepared is that you can't put things off. You can't decide to get your life straight with God next week. Or you can't get to decide to get something that's got like a great priority in your life and you recognize, even though you don't like it, you recognize it's kind of out of order. And you say, well, Lord, I want to go ahead and finish this part of it and then I'll do it later. No, the rapture might come tomorrow. And then you're going to have had knowledge that you, that you should have done something differently that you didn't do about that. So we just want to live prepared. And when it says to pray... <clears throat> To pray always that you be counted worthy. It's not talking about your, your bowing your head and just saying, Lord, I pray that I be worthy. Lord, I pray, I pray that I go in the rapture. What that's talking about praying there is that you, you are living in continual communion and fellowship with the Lord. Amen. That's what praying always means. Is that you have this desire for Him. You're loving Him. You're living in service to Him. You're having a tender heart toward the Lord and the things of God. Wanting to spend time with Him. Wanting to spend time with Him. If your heart's not wanting to spend time with the Lord, you need to do a little heart work. Quickly. So as children of God, God has not appointed us, we know that, to wrath. Uh, but to obtain deliverance by the rapture. So we want to make sure that we meet the conditions. So turn over with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 4 through 11. So these are where I'm going to go through some of the conditions that I see from this particular scripture. So listen what it says. 1 Thessalonians 5, 4 through 11. But you brethren, so it's written to who? Christians are not in darkness so that this day should not overtake you as a thief. In other words, the Lord's saying, I've made a way for you to escape so it doesn't overtake you. You are all sons of light. Remember, we're to walk in the light. And sons of the day. That means we're to have no part in darkness. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep 
as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night, but let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet the hope of salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation. Or you could say this, God did not appoint us to the tribulation, but to obtain the rapture through Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, meaning death, we should live together with Him. Therefore, comfort each other and edify one another, just as you also are doing. So let's look at a couple of things in this scripture talking about escaping uh, so that the, the day of wrath or the tribulation does not come upon us. Uh, number one would be, it says, therefore let us not sleep. So we are not to be asleep. We are not to be sleeping. Sleeping uh, refers to being indifferent. It refers to being careless, unfaithful, casual, or backsliding. Turn with me over to Matthew chapter 25. <clears throat> so let's talk about this just for a moment. Not being unprepared, being indifferent, being very casual about your life. Matthew 25 verse 1 through 13. This is the parable now of the, of the virgins with the lamp, the wise version of virgins and the foolish virgins. And so I want to read the passage and then I want to talk just a little bit about it. So this is a parable that Jesus gave. Verse 1, Matthew 25. It says, Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now five of them were wise and five of them were foolish. And those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took their oil in their vessels with their lamps. But while the bridegroom was delayed, in other words, it was a long time, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight a cry was heard, Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, No, least there should not be enough for us and you, but you go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Surely I say to you, I do not know you. Watch therefore, for you shall neither know the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. Okay, so <clears throat> there are parts of this scripture that I feel like you can relate to the second advent. Okay, the second advent is not the rapture. It's not when Jesus meets the saints in the air. It's after the seven-year tribulation in the earth when the Lord returns to the earth uh, with the army of the Lord. There are several scriptures, uh, references in here that I think so. You could definitely look at this and talk about not being unwise, not living unwise so that you, you know, don't ever receive salvation or you don't ever really submit your life to the Lord and therefore you possibly might miss out on everything until the very end when, when the truth will come out. But also, you know, I've learned over the years uh, in looking at Scripture is that 
The Lord says that His Scripture is like the manifold wisdom of God. It's like you can look at a Scripture and it can have multiple meanings. You know? You know what it's like if you take a diamond and, and you put a diamond in the light and turn it different ways, you can see different colors and different reflections. And so that's how many times the Scriptures are. And so many times, you know, you, you'll have studied something and read something and known something for years, and then all of a sudden, boom, you're reading it again, and it's like by the Spirit of the Lord, you get a greater understanding. You get something that's totally still true, but, but that way. And so I want to talk about this Scripture again because I'm presenting the tighter walk with the Lord. I want to talk about this uh, really from the reflection of what it possibly means in relation to uh, the rapture. If we were to look at this in relation to the rapture, first of all, you have to realize everybody here had a lamp. And everyone had light to start with because they said later that their lights were going out, but they all had light. Remember, it's, it's Christians that are children of light. It's not non-believers because when you're talking about the second advent, you're talking about non-believers. You're not talking about Christians. So first of all, we see that they all had a lamp. And they all had a light, and that lamp represented light. Then we see, number two, they all had oil to start with. And many times in the Scriptures, when you see oil, it's referring to the Holy Spirit. So obviously, anybody that's not in Christ or of Christ is not going to have the Holy Spirit. So they wouldn't have all had oil. Then number three, they were all invited to the wedding. Not just some of them. When, when is the wedding? The wedding is in the seven year. Can you put that up for me on the back screen for a moment? When, when is the wedding? The marriage of the Lamb is, is the seven years in heaven. They were, all, they were all invited. So it's very possible that, the, that this can correlate to things of the rapture. And so I just want to point out here but that even though they had a lamp and even though they had enough oil, what happened is the bridegroom delayed. They knew he was coming, but he delayed. And this is where I find many Christians today. We know that Jesus is coming, but it's almost like it's just a cliche. It's like, oh, yeah, he's coming. But like, I don't think that most people really think he's coming in their lifetime. I mean, it's like he's not come for so long. How, how much longer is it going to be? But we can't be like that and then get lazy and lay down and sleep and slumber and, and let our life and the Lord begin to diminish. If you don't keep a life fresh with communion, if you don't keep a life fresh in the Holy Ghost where you're stirring yourself up in the Holy Ghost, fanning the flame, then what happens? Your, your level can get low. Your light will begin to dim. And you might not be considered worthy and meet the condition that's necessary to escape in the rapture. Could this be referring to Christians who are not prepared? I believe it could. It, it seems to me when I'm reading through all these that it seems like all of these things. Could a light even go out? We do know a light can go out. Certainly a light could go out in relation to the rapture. Hallelujah. So we do need to keep a very vibrant life with the Lord, living in expectation that He is coming. And what matters most is my spiritual life. My spiritual life is what matters most. Amen. Hallelujah. Turn with me over to Ephesians chapter 5. <clears throat> now remember, we're talking about not sleeping here, this being one of the conditions for the escape. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 14 through 16. Now, this is written to Christians. 
in the book of Ephesians. It says, therefore, he says, awake you who sleep. Now here he's not talking about death. He's talking about those that are slumbering, those are not, who are not being alert, those are, who not, are not awake. He says, awake you who sleep and arise from the dead and Christ will give you light. So apparently there's some Christians that are sleeping, almost dead to the things of the Lord, not having any light. I've met some, have you? Look at verse 15. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. So we see here that it's requiring them to live in the light, to walk in the light. This scripture is telling Christians that we need to be redeeming the time. We need to be making it count. We need to be capitalizing on every opportunity. I say this all the time that people want to talk about a good life, but your life is basically made up of every single day. When you get to the end of it, it's, 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 it's not like in big, big chunks and gaps. It's every, it's every single day. When you get to the end of your year, it's what you did with every single day. And these are not the days that we can, we can afford to be having bad days. Christians, we don't get bad days. We don't, we don't need bad days. We don't have to have bad days. We can work ourselves out of bad days. Uh, but we need to be redeeming the time, capitalizing on every opportunity, taking it. The, uh, the word actually means to take back. So we're to take back our time, our efforts, our attention, and turn them toward the Lord. I find this extremely interesting in this scripture because it's talking about, of course, uh, putting God first, putting his kingdom first. We know Matthew 6, 33, right? Do we know Matthew 6, 33? We're to put God in his kingdom, his righteousness. We're to give him first place. Right? And, that, and then he can add everything to us, but he has to have first place. He's not looking for second place. He's looking for first place. So this is talking about making our way of life with him the highest priority. It's about redeeming the time, not putting things off, not waiting, not being lukewarm. And I find this so very interesting that this scripture written to Christians talks about the fool versus the wise. Could this be that this scripture actually ties into Matthew chapter 25 with the foolish versions and the wise versions? I think so. It also talks in this scripture about the light. Arise and live in the light. Isn't that what it said? That we need to live in the light. And then it's talking in this scripture here in Ephesians chapter 5. The rest of the scripture goes on to talk about the Holy Spirit. That we're to be filled with the Spirit. Be being filled with the Spirit. Talking about speaking to ourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Making melody in our hearts. So the rest of the scripture goes on in this chapter to talk about a life in the Holy Spirit. I think there's a connection between this and Matthew 25. Okay, so if we saw first condition is to not sleep. Second condition, according to 1 Thessalonians 5s, is to watch. So let's talk about that real quick. Tells us to watch. Means to always be alert and to live godly in Christ. Do not permit yourself to be overtaken or overthrown. Uh, let's read Matthew 24. 
It means to live in expectation of His return. It means to be about the Father's business. It means to be being found a good steward. It means to be being active in the body of Christ. And so let's look at this parable in Matthew 24. This will tie back to the one we saw earlier when we were talking about the ten qualifications uh, that one of them was to be in the body, to be part of the body, not just theoretically. Matthew 24, verse 42 through 51, Jesus again gave a parable. Now watch this. He says, Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. We don't even know the hour. I mean, some people are trying to, you know, pinpoint it down, but we don't know. But know this, that the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come. He would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Who then is a faithful and a wise servant whom his master made ruler over his household to give them food in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his master, when he comes, will find so doing. Now remember, look, it says blessed is that servant. Remember one of the conditions, one of the qualifications for going in the rapture was to be blessed and holy. Okay. Verse 47, Assuredly, I say to you that he will make him ruler over all his goods. But if that evil servant says in his heart, My master is delaying his coming and begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and drink with the drunkards, the master of that servant will come on a day when he is not looking for him and in an hour that he is not aware of and will cut him in two and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. And there shall be weeping and the gnashing of teeth. So the master had put his servants in charge. Here we see that the master is the Lord. The servants would be us. We've been put in charge. We've been put in charge of the body of Christ. We've been put in charge of the family of God. We've been put in charge with the kingdom of God. We have responsibility. We need to be stewarding it. Everyone in here has a place, has a part, has a supply. We all come together Every joint supplying what it will. And that's how this thing works together is that we're all doing it together. See what else we got here. And so we know we have responsibility. What is that? The main thing is the main thing. What's the main thing? The main thing is the great commission. The only commission is that we make converts and we make disciples. And that's the work that we all do. That's not the work that the fivefold preachers do. That's the work that all the believers do. So we do the works of Jesus. We do the works of the kingdom. We subdue kingdoms. We work righteousness. We heal the sick. We raise the dead. We deliver the captives. Come on, we encourage everyone. We do good to people. We live by faith. We live by faith in the Son of God. Hallelujah. This is what it is to be watching. Hallelujah. Okay, let's look at the next part, which is to be sober. I'll read you a scripture. Checking my time. Uh, To be sober means to, uh, which is in verse 6 through 8. Let's read Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2, verse 6 through 8. 
11 through 14. It says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared unto all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and our Savior, Lord Jesus, who gave himself for us that, we might, that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works." So we are to be sober. Uh, that means we are to live as children of the light. Uh, we're not to go back into sin. Uh, it means that we're to live doing the right things, His ways, His principles, to live holy. To, to be sober means to be self-controlled. You know, that is a fruit of the Spirit, right? <clears throat> to be self-controlled, to be self-disciplined, and to be self-denied. So I'll say that again. To live sober means to be self-controlled, self-disciplined, and self-denied. Of course, all of that in relation to being submitted to the Lord. Hallelujah. You can also read more about that in 1 Peter chapter 1, 13 through 16. Okay, let's go to the next one. The condition is to put on the breastplate of faith and love and the helmet of hope and of salvation. And so this means that we, there really is a way to live in the earth. And it's to live as a Christian. Uh, we're to live fighting the good fight of faith. We are to live by faith. We don't live like the world. We don't live without hope. We don't live worried and stressed out all the time. We fight the good fight of faith and we lay hold of eternal life. Uh, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 24 through 27. This is how God wants us running our race. It says, do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now that they may do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we do it for an imperishable crown. Therefore, I run, <clears throat> I run like this, not with uncertainty, but thus I fight, not as one who beats the air. But I discipline my body and I bring it into subjection. At least when I have preached to others, I should myself become disqualified. So we see that we're, we're supposed to be running a race. Like how we're living and how we're running really matters. We got to be in it to win it. We're not in it just to scrape by. We're not in it just to barely get there. We're in it to win it. I mean, we're in it for looking for the utmost, the, the ultimate prize. We're, we're to be like champs. <laughs> yeah, we're to be like champs running this like a real soldier, believing that God has already given us the victory and that it's our job just to stand and to occupy. Praise the Lord. We've been given armor. We've been given weapons. Are we using them? Do we know them? We're to hold on until the end. Continue and remain. Hallelujah. We got to continue and remain. And I said it on Sunday, you know, part of the reason of this whole thing about the rapture is that we got to go in the rapture because that's where everything starts for us and the reward of this life that we've lived to the Lord. And, and if there are conditions, if there are qualifications uh, to go on the rapture, if there are conditions and we've not met those conditions in this life. 
Consider the seven years of tribulation and the difficulties and the challenges and the persecution. And so I get very concerned if people, if people are having trouble now. What? Because for me, the, the, the tribulation, the reason a Christian would be left is because the Bible says there, there's a working out of our salvation. There's a proving out of our salvation. And that's really this earth life. We're, we're here. We're, we're proving things out. We're proving to the Lord that we're not just, you know, going to one minute love Him and the next minute for 10 years be off doing our own thing. Are we going to remain? Are we going to endure? Are we going to stay steady? And so it's, it's a proving ground. And so for me, the tribulation would be like, okay, you, you couldn't prove it enough to qualify in the rapture, so now you're going to have to endure the tribulation. There are going to be people in the tribulation that will get saved. There are going to be people that will make it to the end. But it's going to be very... They're they're martyrs. And so we got to make sure that we're at least aware because when I get over to start talking about really what goes on in heaven and all the wonderful things and then how we come back and how you really are positioned... You're positioned in eternity. See, this is what people, people just think that earth life is just earth life. The goal is just to make it to heaven, then it doesn't matter. No, when we come back and we're ruling and reigning, there are positions. Everybody is loved. Everybody's a redeemed saint, but everybody is not in the same position. So what, what we do now really does matter. And when I start talking about, wow, we're living in this state forever. There's, there's no end to it. So it's not about just scraping by. <laughs> it's living to the utmost. This is it. This is, this is our preparation time. And we have to be giving it all that we have. Praise the Lord. Is that helping you? Are you feeling good? Well, praise the Lord. Let me see here. So it looks like that's the last condition I have. So now we made it to heaven. Woo! The rapture has now taken place. Shout for victory. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Woo! Heaven has been gained. As Brother Hagin used to say, there is a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So when the rapture takes place, the church age in the earth will end. And of course, the tribulation in the earth will begin. And we will all be in heaven. And so we're going to pick up there on Sunday. On Sunday, I'm going to tell you who is in heaven, just so that you know all the people that are there, uh, the people that are there now, the people that go in the rapture, the people that come during the earthly tribulation. And then we're going to move over into talking about all of the things of heaven. And I'm going to answer some of your questions about pets. (laughs) And some of those things that you... Or, or really, really, really wanting to know. But we'll go ahead and move into heaven, what heaven is going to be like. And then we'll begin to talk about all the different things. Uh, it's going to be very wonderful. And so we're just, we're just getting a good start on our journey. And so we still have several, several weeks to go. Hallelujah. Uh, but I encourage you to take these scriptures, pray over them, study them out for yourself. 
Uh, just make sure, you know, again, I'm not doing this to try to scare people, uh, but I'm doing it to prepare us because we can't... It, it has been a long time since, since the Lord departed and said He was coming back. And so we can't, we can't get lethargic and we can't get sleepy and, and we can't just, uh, you know, your life matters. I mean, your life matters not only to yourself, it matters in the kingdom of God. It matters to the family of God. Your life matters to God, all of us doing our part. And so when the, you know, when the trumpet goes, I remember Mike telling the story, he's been to heaven and the Lord took him to heaven. And then another time he, the Lord started trying to take him and he grabbed on to Laurie because he wanted Laurie to be able to go with him. And when he grabbed on to Laurie, it, he didn't go. Not that Laurie, you know, we, we know Laurie's a saint, but I'm just saying. So you have to realize when the rapture goes, it's, it's, it's each one for himself at that point. I mean, you're going up. There's no grabbing anybody. There's no taking anybody, anybody with you. Praise the Lord. And so my, my goal is that everybody at Houston Faith Church goes in the rapture. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I don't want one member left behind. If there's one member left behind, I'm going to be very upset. <laughs> I'll say, Lord, I did my best. I did my best to try to prepare us. Hallelujah. Thank you for joining Pastors Chaz and Joni today from Houston Faith Church. If you're looking for a good home church in Houston, Texas, we'd like to invite you to be our guest anytime. What you'll find is that Houston Faith Church is highly committed to the Word of God, the love of God, and the Spirit-filled life and ministry that Jesus expects. We know that everyone wants to make a difference in this life and that the Great Commission of the Lord Jesus Christ is the main thing for all of us. You'll find your purpose here and grow strong in faith at Houston Faith Church. Find more faith-building resources on our YouTube channel or subscribe to our free audio podcast. You can also connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. See you soon.